Okay, everybody, welcome to uh, today's episode of America Held Hostage Podcast. I'm here with uh, with my buddy John Hinton, and uh, you know we're back for episode number two. Uh, before we get started really quick, uh, the thing that I wanted to uh, do is just remind you about our Plugged In uh, membership program. Uh, if you go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in, uh, that's our membership program we've got. It's your opportunity to be able to support everything we're doing here at the GK if you'd like. Um, it's, uh, it's 10 bucks a month. If you'd like, you get exclusive access to our Destroy Social Justice Conference, the recording of that. Uh, we have the entire night one right now uploaded. We're going to be, um, uploading, uh, you know, the Saturday sessions here pretty soon as well. Um, but that's just an, that's just an added perk exclusively for, uh, members of Plugged In, just as a thank you for your support. Um, and we've got a bunch of other perks as well. You can check out all that information over gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of news. There's always something new going on. And uh, with me, we've got John Hinton. And we're just going to break down the news for you again, just like we did yesterday. And then just hit the ground running because it, I feel like with this news cycle, there's always something crazy happening. <laughs> Coming to you live from the corner of Fauci and Burks on Constitution on Fire Avenue. It's the America Held Hostage podcast, <laughs> America's Constitution in Quarantine Day 22. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to do that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the first thing we need to lead off is uh, if you saw it when we posted on iTunes yesterday, uh, the story that we closed with about Pat Robertson, that was satire. Um, it was not a real article. So even I got duped by fake news, but Jeff caught it and was able to show in our links on iTunes. Uh, across our platforms that it was a satire piece by a wannabe Babylon Bee or a wannabe Onion article. We always want to lead with the fact that if we get something wrong or if we are uh, misled in some way that you know that we're being straight with you and that we're not a Jim Acosta-like fake news organization. So uh, the first story that we have today is – uh, from Pamela Geller, uh, she is a conservative activist that you can follow on Twitter. I do, but what she did was she linked to information di directly from the New York City Department of Health, and we're gonna. All these articles will be linked on our uh, on our platforms when we drop the podcast and YouTube later on this afternoon, probably in about an hour, two hours from now. Uh, but the NYC is juicing numbers. Have it right here. First one. Hospitals, the CDC is telling hospitals to list COVID-19 as the cause of death, even if you're just assuming, or it was the only contribution. Now, the thing is, is that what we're finding out, according to the NYC's own numbers, even as close as April 3rd, is that only 1.7% of all the deaths in New York City are caused by coronavirus. That means over 98% of the deaths happen with people that have two or more pre-existing conditions, and over 85% are 65 and older. So... So uh, the problem with making informed decisions about coronavirus is that we don't have a lot of data at the moment. This is from the article that she linked to from GellerReport.com, her website. 
the data that we do have, meanwhile, could end up being terminally skewed because the Centers for, for Disease Control guidance, according to the New York City Department of Health, determining COVID-19 is the cause of death isn't going to help those numbers. According to guidance issued March 24th, hospitals have been told to list COVID-19 as the cause of death regardless of whether or not there's actual testing to confirm that that is the case. Now, I could go forward and read more of it, but Jeff, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, like I, I remember even seeing, uh, I think it was Candace Owens on on Twitter was even citing uh, something like this as well, where there, I think it was the governor of Connecticut was actually uh, claiming that they had like the first infant death from COVID-19. And it, yeah, and that was a complete lie. Yeah, and, and basically what, what that story ended up being was, I guess the, the infant did end up having COVID-19, but it died from being like suffocated by its caretaker. You know, it, it's, right. it's it's like, it, it's it's this dishonesty in order to feed a narrative that's the problem. And that, and that in all reality is why a lot of Americans don't trust the media. The media is getting it wrong because they're not just reporting their news, they're reporting their narrative and finding any possible thing, even if it's taken out of context, even if it's right. flat out false, in order to push their narrative. And that's, that's why just Americans don't trust the media anymore. So we need to stop trusting them because every still it's like they don't trust them but then they keep reading them <laughs> it's this weird right. cycle you know well it's like i said yesterday uh what they're peddling to you is fear porn and someone pushed back on me and said well porn's a bad word i said uh no porn is an evil that happens the word is not evil uh but what's being is that fear porn is being peddled to the masses because it turns on media conglomerates and elites in the media to be able to peddle their confirmation bias through narrative casting in order to help a politicians that they, uh, that they back privately gain more power and more control. And that's not, that's not a conspiracy theory. That is just reading the tea leaves and being able to discern what's happening. When Jim Acosta goes after your president more often than he does a communist totalitarian regime that has killed over 50 million of its own people since 1945 when Mao took over and also had a one-child policy and has put down two democratic oppositions that have tried to uprise over the last 35 years – that tells you all you need to know about narrative casting and confirmation bias. They hate Trump because they hate you. And that's what it is. Yep. What, I 100% I agree. And, and, and that's the thing is that I, I think what happens when you get to a certain level, whether it's the media, politics, anything, right? It doesn't end up being about the people. It ends up being everybody's a statistic. Everybody's a number that can be used and hijacked in order to push your narrative. And I think when you get to a certain level, you're dealing with too many people across the broad spectrum of our country. And right. there's this disconnect, I think, with real Americans. And I think that that's part of the problem that we're seeing with mainstream media right now is that they just see they see people as, as numbers that they can use and then feed into their little narrative so that way they can Your government it. thinks all you are is a social security number, Jeff. Yep. It's true. That's 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 the problem. So that supports your point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're you're just a cog in a machine. We're we've we've basically we're living a real life version of Orson Welles' 1984. And uh, now that uh, a lot of other people are having to, uh, uh, you know, 
nuzzle up and suck on the government teat in this time of unprecedented economic turmoil, you're now latched into the new matrix. Yep. It's sad. We're watching our constitutional way of life go uh, go away, and yet we're seeing pastors and Christians that are meeting online where the thing was, I think the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, the disciples, even Jesus himself would be ro- – Jesus isn't in a grave. He's risen. But the rest of them would be rolling over in their graves thinking, we went to jail, and you guys are staying at home? You have to know when to socially disobey. No, we will not bow b- down before your chocolate bunny. Thank you, VeggieTales. Yeah. Shadrach and Benny, if you ever watch the VeggieTales, I was telling a friend of mine this. When you're looking at what's happening in the culture and in the Western church in particular, why were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so revolutionary? Why is that story told to God's people throughout the globe? globe for centuries because everybody else bought into the fear porn that if they didn't bow before the idol of King Nebuchadnezzar, that they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do so. Come what may, your time is not to bury your head in the sand. Your time is to stand firm. Use your voice and say, no, I will not comply. You don't be violent. You don't. You obey the governing authorities as much as you can, but just like St. Augustine said, an unjust law that goes against the laws of nature and nature's God is no law at all. Your rights come from God, codified in the U.S. Constitution. That cannot be taken away from government. And to see people that are now being arrested by protesting peacefully at a social distance and complying, but they're being arrested in front of a pro-life, uh, in front of a, in front of a, an abortion clinic by giving pro-life pamphlets, uh, uh, in North Carolina over the weekend because they violated the state shelter in place order. That's wrong. That's just wrong. So that, the, so I, the reason I go on that, that are going to be watching this use your voice to be able to stand firm and say no I will not comply the thing was was that that happened with Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal Moses before Pharaoh it happened with Daniel in the lion's den it happened with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego Peter and John refused to be silent. They went to jail, and the next day they were back out preaching the gospel. Paul refused to uh, many times to not shut up about the gospel. Jesus, they tried to stifle him in his message. He continued to walk throughout Judea and preach the word. We need to we need to gird our loins for this battle because I feel like the Lord is calling his church to actually be the church. And if we're not going to do that, if we're not going to stand firm for conservative principles and biblical truth, then we're the lukewarm Laodicean church and the Lord's getting ready to spew us out of his mouth. Yeah. And, and really quick, I was just going to add as we're, as uh, before we move on to the next story is that I, I think for me the problem with all of this is – 
it isn't necessarily the lockdown itself because I understand the logic and why they're doing it. It's the hypocrisy in the enforcement of of the lockdown. Because like like for example, I was I was just talking to my my friend uh, Sam Jones in in Iowa, and you know both of our friend, and you know and he was t- and he was telling me that you know they just locked they just shut down arcades as as non essential, but they had already shut down churches like weeks ago. The problem is in the enforcement and that they they singled out the Christian church ahead of an arcade, a video game store, right? And and that to me that's a big problem is that there's there's a hypocrisy in the enforcement. Um, I get sh- I get the lockdown for a temporary time so that way they can get you know get everything prepared, get everything set up so we can deal with with COVID nineteen. But it just seems like they are using this in order to single out Christians and single out conservatives and then push their progressive narratives like we're seeing with Gavin Newsom and some of these other guys. It's like they're they're hijacking COVID-19 for their own purposes. And that, to me, is is the biggest concern in all this. Oh, yeah. What troubled me, and I'll, I'll show you uh, if you see this. This is a tweet from Murphy. This is our governor in New Jersey. New Jersey, and he literally tweeted this 20 hours ago. To all the jackasses out, we now have to hear the program. We know who you are, and we will not relent until we have one. Alliance. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're not a dictator, but yet that's how you're going to treat some of your constituents who say, "Hey, if I want to go for a joyride, I'm going to go for a joyride." I'm not I'm, I'm not threatening anyone. I don't have anywhere to go. My wife turned to me yesterday before we're sitting down to go to bed. She said, I feel like I'm in prison. Yeah, I'm able to watch Netflix. I'm able to make meals and stuff. But, you know, my only time is an hour outside to go bike. I said, this is America. And she was just, she was almost in tears. She's like, I'm over this. And we're going into our fourth week. And for a governor to say that to his constituents, that's just appalling. Your jackasses, you need to be comply. You need you need to be made to care, and you need to comply. That's just uh, that's what they think of you, plebes. You plebeians, you will you will bow down before us. You will listen to what we say. No. Yeah, I'm 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 oh. with you there. The data to prove it. You're, you're, that's the next story. Your data is being shown that you are that what you based all this on on uh, the IMHE at the University of Washington, which is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Imperial uh, College UK models that the UK government and the U.S. government freaked out about. All these are being revised daily. So the next story is we find out let me find it here we find out from from governor andrew cuomo that the early projections and we'll link to this too the early projections if you can see that there is a there's an this these are the projections of the and for our podcast viewers will will uh will give a link to this but if you can see that there's an orange line and then there's a blue line. The orange line is what they projected three weeks ago. The blue line was a redo last week. And then there's a purple line. There's a purple line that is where they are right now. 
So he said he tweets out yesterday. Early projections in orange and blue show we would have needed uh, up to 110 uh, from 55,000 to 110,000 hospital beds. But the purple line shows where we are. We only need about 15,000 beds right now. We're tracking better than the initial models, which is good news. Social distancing appears to be working. We must keep it up. They're going to come back to you and tell you that because you plebes stayed at home, we lowered the curve, we flattened things, and there weren't as many deaths. But now we're finding out your models were completely wrong to begin with because you didn't figure that into the equation. So were you lying then or were you lying now? Because your data was if we do nothing, these are how many deaths we're going to have. But then you continued to peddle that as you began to do unconstitutional lockdowns and saying, well, we're going to have these many deaths. Then you revise it even with the lockdowns, and the numbers are even lower than what the revisions are. So that came from the New York State governor, and that was yesterday. Um, we find out today uh, – we'll link to this too, but – I don't know if you can hear this. I'm going to show a screen capture of it. You, Jeff, you probably saw this. Yeah. But what there is is from CBS News, the people were walking in uh, a New York City park. And uh, I'm going to play the clip. I think you can hear it. Um, there were li There's literally a drone volunteer COVID-19 task force going around New York City that is warning people like a 1984 scene, maintain social distance. Your help is needed to combat this crisis. And this looks awfully disturbing because not only are we tracking your cell phone data, but we're following you with drones and making sure that uh, you lemmings, uh, even though you need to get out and walk, that you guys aren't being uh, too close together. It, it seems like a police state. Tell me if you can hear this. Now, someone said below the comments, if that would have been done in, say, Kansas or Iowa, a farmer would have gotten out his 12-gauge and shot that right out of the sky. And I say amen, but because you have such draconian gun laws, no one had the opportunity to. So I say next time, find a football. <laughs> well, well, and, and see, like that—that—that's the thing with, with with these kinds of things is it—it—it's literally like it's out of like all of this is like it's out of a movie. I remember, um, you know, one of my friends, uh, Ian Giotti, uh, you know, he's a journalist. He posted a he posted a video of out here in L.A. They've literally had helicopters going around to local parks with loudspeakers and telling people to disperse and to go home and it, it was literally like a reminiscent of like terminator or like an old school like apocalyptic movie where like the government's just going extreme authoritarian and it's like one of these things i never thought we'd see that in our lifetime i i never thought that i would either you know and uh god bless my parents i love them uh both of them are uh you're close to 70 or in their 70s 
Uh, and I talked to them last night and, uh, you know, they said, you know, you just got to be prayed up and, and ready for, for what's happening. And, uh, I, I said, well, mom, I've done all that. We've, we're prepared with food, with our finances, everything. Uh, and the Lord's given us discernment, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not going to fight for my constitutional liberties. And, uh, it doesn't mean that I'm also not preparing myself and, and praying for the fact that. If this is a new normal that has come to America, then you're going to see more and more ordinary Christians that are going to be thrown to jail, thrown in jail, for civil, for simple civil disobedience and non-compliance. And are you ready for that? Because that happened to all the saints of old, uh, in one form or another. And you're no better than your master. You're no better than the disciples. Are you ready? for that type of sacrifice? Do you, are you going to consider it joy that if you go to church, because if you go to church this Sunday uh, in your church's parking lot on Easter Sunday to celebrate your risen Savior, that a police officer might say, you need to go home or we're going we're gonna to put you in the clink. Now, that might, sound, that might sound hyperbolic, but the thing is that's already happening. It's not hyperbolic if it's true. So are you, are you preparing yourself for that? Are you prayed up for that? Um, are you ready to stand up for the fact that you're just going to civilly disobey and say, uh, hey, I, I appreciate what you do to keep the peace, but I'm not disturbing anything except some man-made law that was by executive order and was never passed by any, uh, was never uh, passed by any of my elected representatives. It's draconian in nature, and I'm just not going to comply. Yeah, and one of those things, the, these laws, they, they should have been passed by a legislature, signed into law by the governor. That That's the proper way of doing things, it, like you know, in, in each state. Each state doesn't have a king. Each state has a governor. Governors are not supposed to be making laws. The legislative branch is supposed to make laws. The governor signs it into place, just like it happens on the federal level with the president. And, and that's part of the problem is everybody's doing these executive orders it's like you're not king. You're just supposed to enforce the laws that are passed by the legislative branch. And that that's a big problem that I think we're seeing with this authoritarian view of government and politics right now. Oh, yeah. Well, Rahm Emanuel said it best, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, there's a lot of progressives in both parties because mm -hmm. this is happening with Democrat governors and Republican governors. There's a lot of progressives in both parties that are using this for their own pagan devices and it's very troubling yep. the next story is from discern.com now discern.com is a news aggregate site they're the guys that uh helped co-found the babylon b so they have the babylon b and then their two founders split uh kyle mann and adam ford one runs the Babylon Bee, the other one runs this news site. I've been following it for a couple years. Used to be the Christian Daily Reporter. It was like a, a daily uh, alternative Matt Drudge type website. But this is from their website, and they have a link to the article where it comes from. Uh, it's, it's an article linked to Fox News. Bible sales have increased since the uh, coronavirus pandemic, according to top Christian publishers. Alabaster Company saw a 143% increase in sales compared to last year. Quote, in this life-altering and unprecedented pandemic, P 
People are looking for hope and restoration, said Brian Chung, co-founder and business director of Alabaster Company. We believe that people are buying Bibles because there's a longing in men's souls to connect with God and find meaning and experience peace in these troubling times. Alabaster Company is donating 100% of the proceeds from one of their books to frontline workers and other small businesses. Lifeway Christian Resources, the Christian, the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, says they have seen a 62% increase in sales of Bibles last week compared to the same week last year. Lifeway CEO Ben Mandrell said, we believe this is no accident as people often go to the Bible as a source of hope in times of crisis and uncertainty. People draw hope from the scriptures because in it they see a God who is with us during our suffering. Tyndale House Publishers, uh, which are the they used to be Zondervan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyndale House Publishers also said it saw an increase, especially for its Life Application Study Bible. It's Immerse Bible for study groups and other Bibles. We will link to that as well, and probably just go with the link about that from Fox News. The next story um, found out that. Uh, this, this was uh, 24% of small businesses. This is also from discern news. 24% of small businesses are two months or less away from closing permanently. Uh, according to a poll released last Friday, 24% of small businesses say that they will close permanently in two months or less due to the devastating impact the coronavirus pandemic has had on the economy. The poll, which was conducted by MetLife Insurance and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce between March 25th and 28th, revealed that 11% of small businesses will close within one month, while 24% have already had to shut down on a temporary basis. The poll also found that 54% of all small businesses will more than likely close temporarily within the next 14 days. These small businesses are being encouraged to apply for the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program, which began last Friday. Another story from Discern. Amid the pandemic, 25% of Americans have no emergency savings, according to a poll. This is from GoBankingRates.com, the poll is. 25% of 1,100 Americans polled say that they have no money set aside at all. Another 23% in this Go Banking Rates survey said that they had just enough money to survive for three weeks, while another 42% said they would have to spend $1,200 in government stimulus checks immediately on bills and essential supplies, such as groceries. The survey also revealed that two-thirds of Americans have already suffered financial loss because of the coronavirus, 36%, or they expect to very soon, 28%. That also relates to a video that I saw from a CBS affiliate in Pittsburgh that was linked uh, by Yashir Ali on Twitter and also Ben Shapiro, I believe, this morning of a mile-long line, two cars on each side uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, a mile-long wait for uh, to get into the uh, Pittsburgh Food Bank. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Because I think that's terrifying. Yeah, well, it's just it's this this whole this whole scenario 
is just is just crazy to me. And I, and I think that all all of this comes back to the main root issue, whether we're dealing with the, with the Bibles, dealing with finances, dealing with food, dealing with all this kind of stuff. Is it seems like here in America, everybody waits until there's a crisis to actually do something. Um, and I and I know we're we're all guilty of it. You know, I'm guilty of it to a certain degree too. It's really easy to become complacent. You know, even even thinking about like you know uh, reading your Bible, prayer, like. I guarantee you a lot more people are reading the Bibles and praying right now because there's a crisis going on. But what about during those times of of plenty? What about those times when God is providing and there's not any issues, there's no crisis, there's no whatever it is? Are you still praying? Are you still spending your time uh, alone with God? Are you still preparing and making sure you've got enough food in case of an emergency? Are you preparing in the times of plenty? Or are you waiting until there's nothing and there's a crisis and then you're acting? And I think that that's, that's part of a problem right now is what are you doing when everything's good? Are you taking it for, right. are you taking it for granted? Or are you, are, are you being smart and wise and, uh, and wise with, with your resources that God's given you? Don't be an Ananias and Sapphira uh, where you have plenty and then you try to cheat the church or God. Uh, you also don't want to be – you don't want to be someone that like the rich young ruler where you think you have all the answers. Um, you need to be a Joseph. Uh, Joseph was someone that did exactly what you said. He – the Lord allowed him the discernment to prepare during the years of plenty. So he relied on God during those times so that he was then prepared for the years of lean. Uh, well, that's being wise. And the only way that you're able to, uh, those who don't have wisdom are asked to pray for it, or to pray for discernment because the Holy Spirit will lead you into all wisdom, into all truth. So uh, I think it begins with prayer and you have a lot more time to be praying unceasingly right now as the church. So, you know, check out – I would encourage people like what me and my wife are doing. This is the toot our own horn, but because we feel this weight of what's happening, you probably feel it too out there if you're listening. Jeff, you probably feel it yourself. Go check on your neighbor. Knock on their door. See if they need something. Offer your services. If you need to go get food for a neighbor that can't get out, say, hey – Slip me some cash underneath the door. I'll go get you something. Give me a list. I'll go buy it. Or, hey, uh, my wife's going to be getting a mask. She's got her hair clippers. Uh, if you need a haircut in the next couple weeks, we're going to be doing it outside. We're going to be disinfecting the, the thing. It's going to be – disinfecting the chair. It's going to be free. If you just need a sense of normalcy and you want a fresh haircut, just come out and we'll have gloves on, mask, everything, free of charge. Start planting seeds. We have a great opportunity right now as the church and as conservatives because there's pro there may be people that are conservative that are like, okay, enough about this Christian talk. Well, the thing is is that the reason why we go back to this, Jeff, is because the conservative principles that the Constitution was founded on were based in a biblical ethos. So ultimately they're tied together because the conservative principles that made America great when they're put into practice because they're found in the Judeo-Christian ethic and in the Bible – they cause lives, economies, families, and businesses to flourish and thrive. So start planting seeds as conservatives and as Christians to help your fellow man. Don't let government do it. 
do it yourself and you're going to have an opportunity to be able to win people over to your side of the argument, whether it's to constitutional conservative principles or to the gospel. And that's a great opportunity to be able to see that this could be just a pruning. God's cutting dead weight. Our society is cutting uh, the cutting the dead weight of the tentacles to government, and we could see more economic and spiritual and political growth that's positive and is less government, pro-freedom, pro-family, pro-God than we had before. But we have to take we have to take that opportunity upon ourselves to do that. Yeah, in all reality, we as conservatives should be making it to where the government doesn't have to have these bailout programs and welfare and food stamps and all that kind of stuff. If we as conservatives and we as Christians were doing our job and we were fixing the problems in our local communities and helping those around us like what we're supposed to be doing, uh, there would be no reason for the government to have to come in with, with a welfare check or a bailout or food or what, whatever service that might be. If we could be the solution, that could be our opportunity to be a light shining in, into darkness. And then there would right. literally be absolutely no reason for big government because we're taking care of it ourselves. And maybe that's something that right. we need to take on ourselves instead of all these churches and mega churches spending money on you know, stages and lighting and events and like all that kind of stuff. Maybe let's fix our local communities and then we can all stop complaining about. Oh, the that's government a revolutionary no thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> History shows us that um, it was Christians and conservatives that founded hospitals. Sisters of Mercy, anyone? You know, uh, Mount Sinai uh, Medical Center. They have Christian origins, hospitals, orphanages, food programs. Uh, you also see – like the Salvation Army, for example. Or you see, uh, like I said, food banks, um, universities. There was, there was at one time even insurance programs. These were all founded by Christians and conservatives as a way to meet a need – where they saw, hey, see the need, be the need, but it's not the government's job to do that. But wherever Christians abdicate their role in it to, ta to take dominion over uh, the earth that the Lord told them to be fruitful and multiply over, when they abdicate that role that the church is mandated to do biblically, nature abhors a vacuum. And Satan always brings in government to be that counterfeit savior every time, every time. And the thing is, is that ultimately you give government enough power, then Napoleon's words were right. Men were made to be ruled with a rod of iron. And you're seeing a lot of people out there now that are like – that are fearful and afraid and they're looking for salvation and they're not turning to God because the church has been driven to underground online and to stay in their homes. And they're looking to government for a stimulus check. And they're going to look for more stimulus checks. That is troublesome because we're wasting the opportunity. The fields are ripe for harvest. We need to be willing to meet that, to see that need and be that need immediately. Yep. Yep, and then, and then I think you know because and as I think it was, it's a, so we've been, we've been going for about thirty five minutes. It's probably about time to uh, to close up with our closing commentaries. 
Um, so if if you want to if you if you want to take it and then uh, and then I'll follow up after you. But go go for your closing commentary and uh, and close it out there. Okay. So uh, our buddy Sam Jones texted us both last night. I said that I was gonna close with uh, this quote, and it's from. Pastor A.W. Tozer, uh, a great theologian who uh, pastored an inner city church in Chicago back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So he lived through the Great Depression and World War II. But uh, a lot of people would know him in Christian, Christian circles. I would describe him as, ba- as basically, uh, theologically, the American C.S. Lewis. Uh, if you have read the uh, the pursuit of God um, or God's pursuit of man, then you know that his words over 70 to 80 years have been very insightful and encouraging for the Christian, drenched in scripture, and they have been timeless, um, just like Oswald Chambers and my utmost for his highest. Um, but from his book, The Dangers of a Shallow Faith. Suppose there was a law passed in Washington, D.C. that said you cannot go to church, and if you do so, you will be fined, and if you repeat that offense, you will be jailed. We would know where we stood, and we would stand up and put our chins high and say, if God helps me, I will never come under that decree. I will go to church when I please, and I will pray to God as I want. My fathers founded this nation, dedicated to the proposition that every man should worship God according to the dictates of his own heart. However, that is not what is happening. The devil is too much of a strategist to treat us like that. He's busy brainwashing us and conditioning us little by little and feeding his ideas into the church. As those ideas of the ungodly enter the church, the council of God is thrown out. Yeah, that's 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 very that's a very good quote. Um, that should be that was written in the forties. You're now seeing it come to fruition over eighty years later. Scripture says, "Arise, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you." I firmly believe that God is trying to awaken the Western church in industrialized countries, the people that have followed the Bethel churches, the Hillsong churches, the Joel Osteen Lakewood churches, the health and wealth prosperity gospel heretic hacks that we've bought into for too long, the mega churches that were seeker friendly and their front door, they had more people going out their back door with just as many coming in the front door and instead of feeding instead of feeding us with meat we've been fed with milk not solid food with fluff and god's trying to get our attention in the western church because if you notice and i told you this privately jeff before if you notice these this pandemic is not hitting in uh, in other places like south america where Revival is already happening. It's not hitting as hard. It's not hitting in Africa as hard, where the gospel is blossoming there too. It's not hitting in uh, in certain places in China where there are uh, massive amounts of the underground church and revivals happening there. And it's not happening 
in uh, a lot in Middle Eastern countries where the leading cause of people in uh, coming to Christ in closed 1040 window countries is by th- seeing Jesus through visions and dreams. It's happening a lot in urbanized, westernized, industrialized countries. And ironically, those are the countries that have worshipped money and have neglected the first things. So I think God's trying to get our attention. And the church needs to become the church. It's not about the mega churches. It's not about seeker friendliness. It's about getting back into the word, being the hands and feet of Jesus, and being on the front lines to share the gospel to a lost and dying world. And why am I so passionate about that? Because for three years, I was on the front lines of two F5 tornadoes uh, in Joplin in 2011 and in Moore, Oklahoma in 2013. And the government didn't rebuild those places. It was places like Convoy of Hope and Samaritan's Purse and Wildwood Baptist Church uh, in Joplin, Missouri. Those were the churches that did the work. Government was there to help give them the tools to do so, but it was the volunteers that did it. Those were the helpers. We need to be those helpers in this time of economic turmoil. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and I think that, that that really ties into what I was wanting to talk about as well. You know, as, as I'm closing out, is that we can all sit around as conservatives and as Christians and talk about these problems. We can all sit around and we can talk about these issues, but what are we going to do about it after we finish talking about it? And that's been right. one of my biggest criticisms of the evangelical church right now is that we all talk about the gospel. The the prominent evangelical leaders they talk about the gospel. They hold conferences like the like together for the gospel. They have got organizations like the Gospel Coalition. They'll preach about it. They'll write blogs about it. They'll write books about it. But when's the last time you actually saw somebody actually go out and preach the gospel? Very rare. And I think that the same thing goes for the pro life movement. It's very rare that you actually see an evangelical leader actually do something about abortion. They mm. talk about it. They write books about it. They, they go around, they speak to other Christians about it, but when's the last time you actually saw somebody actually go do something about it? You know, there's very few. There's guys like Greg Locke. There's guys like Ken Peters with the Church of Planned Parenthood. There's a handful of people that where they're like, I'll do something about it. But what if the church actually started doing stuff about everything that we're talking about? You know, like right now, with, with we're talking about all these conservative principles. Like, we always talk about it, and then... We go about our lives, and then we complain that the government's doing this bad, or we complain that Hollywood's doing this wrong, or you know that they're they're teaching some, they're, they're teaching heresy, they're teaching uh, progressive liberal ideology. So do something about it. If you if you have a problem with Hollywood, encourage somebody, or actually you step up and you do something about it. Write a movie, make a make a film, write a book. If if you're complaining about politics, don't just sit back and complain. Look, they're so liberal, they're so leftist. Run for office. Actually go get involved in a campaign of somebody who's actually a constitutional conservative. Do something. Like, let's show some action here. Or run for office yourself. Exactly. Do something yourself. Like, so as the church, as Christians, as conservatives, whichever, whichever arena you find yourself in, it's great to have these debates. It's great to have these discussions. But as soon as the discussion is over, are you going to go back to watching Netflix and Tiger King or are you going to actually go do something? Right. That, that's my challenge. Figure out something, anything that you can do after the conversation ends and do it. I, I, would, I would totally agree. Just to piggyback on that, uh, Billy Graham, the late, great Billy Graham said a great quote that my mom has, has told me since I was young. The quote is, 
why is that God will wipe away the tears from our eyes in heaven because we'll realize that there were answers to prayers that we never prayed simply because we never prayed them. It's time for, if you don't know what to do, pray for what it is that I can do to start right now. Where are the, Fred Rogers said, where are the helpers? Go and be a helper. And the thing was, there was a man that we may have disagreed with some of his Presbyterian theology, but the thing is, Billy Graham and Fred Rogers spread the gospel and spread hope than a lot of other regular Americans did. And they simply just bloomed where they were planted. And we need a lot more men like that to do things. Maybe you're a Chuck Colson. Maybe you're uh, maybe you're a John Piper in waiting. Maybe you're the next Billy Graham. But it starts with seeing the need and being the need because to whom much is given, much is required. But to who is faithful with little, God will give and increase and give you more. And that's what we're trying to do with this. Because for so long, I wanted to do a podcast. I was told, well, you have a gift of communication. I never knew how. Well, now I feel like this is going to bloom into something. And uh, this is just the start. Well, the next thing is I got to go check on my neighbors today because I've got plenty of time. What do you need? Let's start doing that. Let the church be the church. If we start it from, if we start it, in the meadow as a grass as a grass fire it's going to take off and become a wildfire the the seeds have been planted for revival it's just whether we want to obey and be a part of the work that god is trying to ignite yep amen amen 100 so um so that that pretty much wraps up this episode we will be back here uh back here tomorrow 9 a.m well you know again new cycles going crazy there's always gonna be something new uh just remind everybody as well here at the gk we do have our gk store uh with resources for you guys um that includes uh both of our books that we're publishing we've we've got social injustice uh that that's out we've got you know authors that contributed to that like uh like ken peters myself all the gk guys we've got uh tom littleton mike spaulding brandon Howes, andy woods michael massey wrote the forward great line of people helps you to understand the issue of social justice compare it with scripture and then actually gives you the answers and solutions to the problem. And we've also, you can pre-order uh, Pastor Sam Jones' uh, new book that's coming out this summer called Five Steps to Kill a Nation and How to Stop the Bleeding. Um, that'll be out uh, later this summer. You can pre-order that. Use code Jeff. You can buy either one, 10% off. Uh, but we want to be able to help you to get resources in your hands with information, get you guys educated so that way you can go out and actually do something. It's not just about understanding what the problem is. It's understanding what the solution is as well. So uh, check that out again, mm -hmm. gatekeepersonline.com slash store check that out. Uh, but yeah, we will be back here tomorrow with the latest news and commentary and all the good stuff. And then uh, we will see you guys then.